everyone. Welcome to episode two of the podcast. We are Board Game Gambit, and I am your host, Nathan. And I'm Jackie. Welcome to today's episode in which we want to talk about theme in games. We have been playing, at least I've been playing games today because I am inside, as most of the country is. I must say that while it's horrible for everyone, at least I'm not suffering from what to do in the home, because playing games is something that you can certainly do inside. Speaking of which, regardless of worse things that we're trying to to be more light about, but what have you been playing this week? What have I been playing this week? Uh, what haven't I been playing this week? So as you know, I'm doing my board game a day challenge. Mm-hmm. How is it going? It's going. <laughs> it's okay. day. It's day. Today's day eighty-one. I have not yet played a game, so at some point I will, after this, probably play a game. But today is day eighty-one. I'm running out of short games. <laughs> I I feel like I have mostly longer games left. So we'll see how that works into my schedule. <laughs> day eighty-one. Yeah, day 81 when I started running out of quick games. Supplies of fillers is running low. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. This week, most recently, I played Irish Gage. Oh, the train and stock game. Yeah, for people who don't know it, it's a game by Tom Russell, published by Capstone Games. And it's a train game with stocks and like auction bidding. You're building routes, collecting dividends based on connecting towns and cities. And the game, you know, plays pretty quickly. And it has a very simple rule book. It's literally one page front and back. The one thing that I am concerned about with the game is the replayability because some of the starting components are set. So It's like you always maybe want to build a certain route a certain way if you are owner of that specific train. Yeah, like trying to reach the same cities, etc. Yeah, when I played more than the replayability, so to speak, strictly replayability next time I play, I felt that even midway through the game, the excitement... Well, to be fair, it wasn't a game that I was super uh, into. It's not my kind of game, but the fact that it was quick, it was simple to explain, got me interested. It was, oh, a game with stocks that is not um, a spreadsheet. It was interesting. But at the beginning, it was interesting. Oh, if I can go here earlier, then I can call for this auction or something like that. But already mid the, mid-game, it was like, okay, I hope this happens and then this happens and I have to do this. And it started getting very repetitive very quickly for a game that takes less than an hour. Yeah. How many players were in your in your play? Three. Okay. We played it with four, which I guess would make it better because it's an auction-based game. But it quickly became that we were sharing two by two, basically, most of the companies. Everyone had the main one that they were expanding. And so I didn't feel there was a lot of tension. How do you feel about the way that the companies are evaluated with those white, pink, and black cubes coming up at the out of the bag but you have you you pick three and there are three colors it felt like a little random but also i don't know there were times when it really messed with people if one person had focused on the majority of like black cubes on their route and then they called dividends to be drawn out of the bag and they only had pink and white come out they were like this was a huge waste of what i just did i spent all this time trying to figure this out and 
I didn't get the money that I wanted. So I don't know. It was interesting. I feel like I didn't experience a lot of that sharing that you are talking about with the four players. Um, you have mentioned that you wanted to try somewhere. Well, this is very entry level and I haven't tried anything more in depth of that, that of these stock and route games, this train and stock in the companies related thing. Was this your first dip into that or had you tried already something more complex in that regard? I had never tried anything like this before. So it seemed like a good intro game into this kind of genre. But yeah, no, I really am interested in trying something like an 18xx game or getting into something maybe not as scary as the 18xx games like City of the Big Shoulders. Have you tried any? thing heavier than this no i have tried other iterations of the train and stock but still at the same level of complexity union pacific airlines europe airplanes rather than trains but it has the same idea of you expand the route and you gain control of it Uh, but i have never doubled into anything more complex i think the most complex train game i played was uh, railways of the world which is still not very complex It, it has some depth but that's a different thing I am not particularly interested in the economic part of those kind of games. It's not that I don't like economic games, although they're definitely not my favorite category, but I feel that the mixture of the spatial and expansion element makes me not interested in the auctions and in the stocks and vice versa. But I have never tried one of the big names. I tried Brass, which is different, but still has some of that, and I didn't particularly... Like it, the the way the trains expand is not something that is dear to me. I, I prefer an engine to a, a network, so to speak. An engine, not an engine. An engine, not a network for the engines to run on. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I was um, making a bad, a bad pun. No, no, I got it, <laughs> I, which means it wasn't too bad. So recently I've been playing a few things, actually. I played Clank a couple of times, uh, Clank Legacy. For those who don't know, Clank is a deck builder with a board. So you build your deck in which you have adventurers and fighters and magic items, and you use those to run around on a board that represents a dungeon or a castle or something like that. And you kill monsters, you collect treasures, and then you run out. And at from one point on, there is a push-your-luck element, so to speak, because once someone gets out or someone dies, there is a lot of pressure on the others to also get out before dying. There is even a level in the board where if you are past that level, at least you can score and you simply don't get extra points for getting out. And if you die below that level, you get a zero score. And we're playing the legacy version, and I've never been so happy with the choice of delaying buying. For years, we had waited to buy Clank because we were waiting for a comprehensive version that included things from the different expansions, because it's one of those games where if you play with one expansion, you're not playing fully with another expansion because there are different boards and things like that. And then they came out with the legacy version, and we are loving it. It's by far my favorite strictly legacy game much better in my opinion than Charterstone, than Risk Legacy, than Pandemic Legacy. And also I can already see how it would be a perfectly fine and playable copy without any weirdness, very unique, but without anything that makes you feel, okay, you play it because that's what you have. It will be perfectly fine and actually probably better than than most copies of, of Clank in general. And I'm really liking that. 
So do you think that the legacy version of it is better than the original version? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if someone were to play it very casually, like let's say I'm playing with Anna and we're playing old games uh, two player. But if we wanted to bring someone in from time to time, and even they just played that one game that we are playing, obviously they wouldn't enjoy the overall story, but they would not be harmed or hampered in that specific game. They could just jump in, and when we are done, I can already see that the board is perfectly fine to be played. They are not liking Risk Legacy things where, sure, that's not Risk anymore. It has all of the particular rules that I like from the basic Clank and its expansions. The only thing that I don't see a parallel right now are the curses in the Mummy's Curse, but there are other stuff. The story is very funny. The rules don't change so much on you. They tend to introduce new elements, but they make sense in a very Clank style. They don't turn the game on its head. I have no remorse and no interest in playing the regular Clank anymore. I mean, I will. If someone has Clank and wants to play it, I like the game, so I will. It's not that it makes the other bad, obviously, but it's definitely better. It's also very fun to discover a lot of things because it's a lot of little things rather than some major changes every time. So there is a story here where you get a little bonus and then this new rule that is applied that is maybe one new type of token or a new type of spot and I don't want to give out uh, too much. The story is tongue-in-cheek without being straight out comical so they don't need to be great comedy writers but at the same time they're not trying to do this incredibly thematic and incredibly deep novel i'm really really stunned by how good it is i got it thinking well worst case scenario we play to the campaign and then we have a playable copy of clank which we didn't have before and instead it has been very 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 fun we're still very driven by winning the individual game but at the same time we're sometimes getting sidetracked by exploring some parts of the story the games are tight there is always that tension like in the original game oh they're ahead do i push and try to get out and maybe let them die or do I try to catch up by getting more points and trying to close the gap? And sometimes it works. Sometimes someone dies in the depth and they score zero points and there is much chagrin, but it's fun. I don't think I've ever played regular Clank where someone died in the depth. I think that this, I don't know, I am not familiar enough with the base board of Clank. I don't know if they change the proportion. Here, it's very common that we die in general. And twice out of seven two-player games, someone died in the depth. So oh, wow. it, it, it works. It's also, there are a lot of things to do. Some of it is new from Clank. Some others mimic things from the expansions. So you're never completely safe when you run out that, okay, worst case scenario, they can catch up with me. Well, there are a lot of ways to get points. So if you run out too early and they can get two, three, four turns alone it's also weird because it's only two players but they have this rule that when you're out you do an attack every turn rather than the three attacks and you keep going until they die there is no timer in which you die automatically like an original clank but there's also a fixed number of cubes it's six cubes every round so and there are a bunch of other effects it's very fun our decks are changing but in a very straightforward way it's it's great yeah that sounds like a lot of fun i might have to check that out even though i already own the regular clank normally i would never say to someone to get a new version 
for example, when Grand Fighter Die new version came out, I had no interest in it. And I have never replaced the game. The, the big exception being the Sand Second Edition, but that they went with a complete revamp of that game. But with Clank, I might say that, I mean, selling the old copy and getting uh, Clank Legacy, especially because I think that both you and Scott like deck builders, and this could be very fun. With two players, is also more straightforward because there is no, oh, that guy just ran out to be a jerk and now you die and I win. If that person runs out and it was too early, they ruin their own game. <laughs> and, yeah. and vice versa, you can risk it knowing that if you die, you are losing for sure. What else have you played? I have also played this week Photosynthesis. Oh, that's a cute game. Yes, it's a pretty game because we have to have our balance of heavy games and cute games <laughs> Fair enough. for for uh, Scott. But uh, so it's photosynthesis. Not, it's not no. super light, though. No, but I mean, it's I don't know. It's lighter than I like. Like I could sit there and play all day. I could play Newton and Nations and Lorenzo. Just the heaviest things, one after another, over and over and over. I could just do it all day long. Sure. That's kind of the standard that I compare everything to. I'm like, oh, is it lighter than this? Then it's lighter. Yeah, I do like those medium to heavy euros. I don't like the super heavy that you might prefer compared to what I like. But those that you mentioned, the medium heavy... But photosynthesis is full of light, but it's not super light. It's a game, obviously, for those who haven't <laughs> played, about photosynthesis in which you are growing trees, and the bigger they are, the more energy. Yeah, sunlight energy. Yeah, and there is this very special element in which the sun is moving around the board, and your trees are growing, and they are physically placed. They are different size trees and you have rules to determine shadow basically which are very intuitive so it feels really natural the way it works this uh, oh, would you say it sounds thematic um i don't know because <laughs> at the same time you are observing right is things that normally you don't interact with so while it feels very natural how it works what you do is not very thematic what are you actually doing is very confusing. You are the trees growing, basically, because you're not yeah, cutting them down for logs. So what you are doing in the game is very vague. You're growing, and then you're cutting them down at the end. You're I... growing them from a seedling to a small tree, to a medium tree, to a large tree, and then you cut them down. So you are a tree farmer? Sure. I hadn't gotten that idea. I thought it was like just you're contemplating the cycle of nature, but you're also getting a lot of points doing that. So I don't know. I don't know if what I didn't like was the spatial element, which usually doesn't speak to me. But You really don't like spatial elements. I tend not to. I mean, I like some abstract, like I like Onitama, I like chess, but I don't like tile placement and things like that. But I don't know if it, that was the thing that I didn't like, or if, even if it's a very different game, much like Irish Gage, you do this thing, do it well, and then you do it again. And then you get the re- energy to do it again. It's not a very long game, but you keep doing the same thing. Oh, now the sun is here, so I have to grow this tree and try to get your in the shade. And it felt like 
I wasn't, even if I were, I was progressing because I was getting bigger trees and more energy and things like that, but my playing arc was not growing. I was still doing the same things, only doing a little bit more. That's true. That's very, that's a very true point. Like there's no like arc in the game. It's just you're doing it and then you keep doing it until the game is over. But I mean, the small, tiny changes like that you are scoring. And the thing that I like about that is like, you have to really stop and think, you know, do I want to cut this tree down at this point? Because it's making me a lot of energy at this point. But, you know, I really want to get these points before someone else cuts their tree down and then they get the points. It has mean elements for as cute as it is, like as pretty as it is on the table. Sometimes you don't think of like meaner games with that kind of aesthetic. This one definitely has some very like, haha, gotcha, like moments. It got a lot of, I don't know, attention, press, call it whatever you you want when it came out. But I don't know that I see it played anymore. At, at first, when it came out, it was on a lot of tables also because it's so visually interesting, especially at conventions. I'm looking at pictures. It, again, it's really, really pretty looking. Who's the designer on this? Halchmart Hack? Who did, let's see if he did anything else. He actually did Railroad Inc. to stay in teams of, oh, he's the designer of the King's Dilemma. Apparently. Oh, really? Or one of them. Sure. And I had no idea. It's very, very different game. But apparently like does like his team. Uh, he's also the designer of Similo, which is a game that I really want to try. Have you seen Similo? No. What is that? So it's a very simple party game. So one of those things that, if it's as short as it sounds, I would love it. If it's any longer, probably not. So you have a grid of characters. Uh, there are two sets. One is history and the other one is fables. And you have these characters and out of a grid of nine or 16, something like that, you secretly choose one or you assign one. So I don't know, my character is Cinderella. And then I there are around other fable characters and then i have a hand of cards still characters from fables and i put down one and i can only say similar or not similar something like that i put it vertical if it's similar or not and so maybe i put down uh the evil queen and i put that she's similar because she's royalty or whatever and then people i cannot say that she's similar because she's royalty i only say she's similar and so people can think oh she's from the same fable or not or she is evil or not or she has magic or not so which one of these apply to what characters and they have to eliminate one character then i put another card and they have to eliminate two characters and they have to never eliminate the character that i'm choosing and i really want to try it it sounds really fun it's one of those games where you're trying to give clues but in the limits of the game which is the kind of party game that i think i prefer because it's code names is Mysterium, is all of these things where I think that's a trend in party games, where is I have to make you understand something, but I am very limited in what I can do, which is interesting. Is it cooperative? I don't know if there are two teams. I, I suppose it's cooperative. It's like the clue giver and the people guessing are playing together. I don't see how it could be not cooperative. So it's kind of in the vein of like Hanabi, like trying to make people infer things i think it's much lighter than that and in that you cannot really make a mistake i mean yes you can make a mistake meaning you choose the wrong card but it's very hard to say like in an if i give you a clue either i didn't give you a clue that 
provided you with the information you could have, or you didn't read all of the information that that clue could have had. And when you play Yanabi with people who have played it a lot, even not together, so they don't have shared habits, which is the way the game can be ruined, in Yanabi, when I give a clue, the person must ask not only what information they're giving me, but why they're giving it to me now, and why they're giving me this clue rather than another clue, similar in code names. Oh, this could apply to these words, but if you wanted to apply to the, those words, they were more straightforward words, therefore it must be referring to something else. I think there is nothing like that, right, in, in this. It's just, oh, is it referring to evil characters, to good characters, to queens, to people who eat something in the fable, something like that. So it's a lot of fun, I think, if you have a lot of people who interpret the thing differently. So it's very different from an Anabi where one person receives a clue in a specific moment from a specific person using resources to do so. Here is more a group activity, I guess. Okay. I also don't think you score it. But yeah, so let's see. I think that could end up being... I, I might like that better than uh, than photosynthesis. The other thing, speaking of games <laughs> a little heavier that you would have liked, that I know you do like, today we played Bora Bora. Oh, boo, I missed it. I, I will play it anytime. Um, and I think you will have luck because Anna said that she actually does like it, also because she won. Um, no, but she said that before <laughs> winning. Bora Bora is by Stefan Feld. Well, you know it, but uh, for people who haven't played it, plays over six rounds. It has a very flavor more than a theme, and I will get to that later when we talk about it, of Bora Bora and the Pacific Islands. You are collecting shells to buy jewels or to make jewels. You are expanding on the islands. You are collecting resources to build buildings. And all of this could sound very thematic, but is actually not at all. You are spending one thing that gives you certain cards that for other reasons let you do something. You place dice, you collect resources, you spend them. It's one of those games where you have way more to do than you have time for, which is I think, a mark of a good game. It takes six rounds and you have three dice sections every round. And then there are a few other things that can give you more stuff. But to work towards that is problematic. In the game we played today, I made a big mistake in which the things that you collect, you use both to do things, they perform additional actions for you, and you are set collecting them to satisfy objectives. And I chose to get something because it would have made for an easy objective without realizing that I was now collecting stuff that didn't work well together. Oh, no. Anna went for more difficult objectives, but she managed to build a more efficient engine. So she was actually doing something meaningful with these extra pieces. And so she ran away with it. It was very, very good. I really like that game. It's very busy. There's lots to look at. There's lots of different things to consider when you're playing that game. I think that one of the things that made for not it not being as successful as other Feld game, I mean, it's still top 200 games on Borgen Gibbs, so definitely not a game that is underappreciated or anything like that. Very solid, very popular. But I think is on the heavier scale of the Fell games. And so people who like Fell maybe found it a little quonky, and vice versa, people who like more heavy games don't like the very open-ended, point-salady approach, or the fact that you have a lot of little interconnected things. So I think it's an odd range of difficulty. It's not an on-Mars, it's not a Lacerta game. It's lighter than that, so people who like that might not appreciate the more 
straightforward way it gets about things, but is definitely more convoluted than Castle of Burgundy, say. Which is, I think, where I like them, and I know that you like some of those too, like Aquasphere is in that area, Luna is in that area. Um, yeah. Maybe Macau is a little more straightforward, but still in that heavy felled, so to speak, which is not a heavy game, but is a heavy felled game. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like that's a mark of Feld games specifically, of always trying to find enough actions to do what you want to do. Yeah, okay. Anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of things that you've played, or do you want to move forward? Oh, the other thing I was going to say actually about Bora Bora is that it might have something to do with how long the setup is, because I feel like the setup does take a little bit of time, which might be why people don't appreciate it as much as some of the other games. Do you have colored bags for pieces? No, that that actually I'm not facetious here. Uh, it does cut down on on setup time. We have a orange cloth bag for the orange pieces, a blue bag for the blue pieces, and these are all pieces that need to come out randomly. This way, you don't have to turn them all face down. You just when you need them, you draw a certain number from the bag. You know already where they go. So at the end of each round, okay, you take care of this. Yeah, I take care of that. It's very quick, very fast to to move forward. We have obviously containers for the pieces and the currencies, but that's given in this day and age. But I think that the color-coded bags help with a lot of these games. We have the same for Aquasphere. We have the same for Castle of Burgundy. And these are very cheap stuff, not anything fancy. It's not one of those, oh, we have the engraved leather bags that are now <laughs> coming out with Kickstarter games and things like that. These were like six for four dollars on Amazon. But these have helped a lot because everything that you don't need to make a pile of face down tiles and you can instead simply draw from a bag cuts down significantly on setup time and on managing time. I will have to check that out because that is one of the reasons I feel like it doesn't get to my table as often as I would like is because of setup. What do you feel about the visual of the game? I think it's a little busy. I really do. I feel like there are some games of his that are very, very busy, like Merlin, I feel like is very busy. Mm-hmm. And once you un- But once you understand all the iconography, it's not as busy as you think it is. So like, I really appreciate Merlin and its art and the way that the board's set up and things like that. But Bora Bora, I mean, I really like the game. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like it's just very busy. Like, And there's so much to focus on. I completely agree. I also feel that Merlin gets a pass because the art is very, very good. Here in this one, in Strasbourg, in Aquasphere, the art is fine. I'm not one of those who really doesn't like that muted Euro kind of style. I'm fine. But I don't understand why you go through the process of having, for example, a very nice, well, not a very nice, but at least a functionally uh, lookable <laughs> something that you can look at in the form of the islands. And on of the side, you have these Simply boxes where you line up square tiles, which look like, oh, I'm on a, in a supermarket aisle. Well, not now. Now supermarket aisles are very empty. But normally, supermarket <laughs> aisles where you have row after row of things that you have to grab. Sometimes they don't even have space between them. Like in Bora Bora, the jewels are a six by five grid of little ties that touch each other. And it looks like, you haven't punched them out yet. That is really, really busy. You are definitely right. I don't mind the art, the cards, etc. Leaving aside the cultural appropriation or whatever, I, I don't get into that. I don't feel like it's bad. 
but I'm not from that culture. So sometimes I know that people from those regions feel like the European design simply takes them as, oh, look, the the people on the islands trading shells. But without getting into that, I like the art, but the graphic design is a little dull. I must agree. Another game that I played, speaking of mid-heavier games, I played Orleon with Scott. So that was a lot of fun for people who don't know. Orleon is by Rainier Stockhausen and published by TMG. It is a bag building game and you are building up a bag of workers to place on an individual board. It's kind of an action selection, right? Yeah, it is a game where you are getting these workers to do different actions for you to get points and coins are points and different resources that you can get by traveling on the central map are points. So there's a lot of different ways to just accumulate points throughout the game. It has a unique like multiplication end game scoring thing where you're trying to get far in I don't know what the books represent, but far on books, <laughs> trying to get all the books. Um And it gives this multiplier and you multiply it by the number of little citizens that you collect, which are little like pieces that you get for doing certain things well and getting there first. And those are multiplied by the number of like guild halls that you build throughout the map. So you add those together with the citizens and then you multiply by how far you got on the books. There's like different thresholds. And that's how you score the end game, which I really enjoy because I feel like it's not, you know, oh, well, I built five houses and you only built four, so I won. It's like you have to focus on a lot of different things so as not to fall behind because Scott, I think, lost by not very much. And I was like, oh, I, I got this. It's a, it's a clear runaway. I got this. I don't think he lost by very much. I was focusing on getting all of my houses out, the guild halls, and he was more focused on trying to get all of the different little citizens through different actions. It was a very close game. I really enjoy that game. It's a good length. I think it scales well with different player groups. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, or player size groups. So, yeah, I really recommend this game. I think if. People have not tried it, but again, it is another one that is very setup heavy. Sure. Compared to other games that we were mentioning before, what I really, really like in Olean is the expensive feeling of it. Not expensive, like in cost a lot, expensive. It it expands. Um, My pronunciation of that is tricky. But the fact that you start the first round and you have these four sad people who are the same for everyone, you take one action. You can do two if you really force it and it doesn't do much for you. And then the second round is more or less the same. And then you say, oh, this is very repetitive. And then by mid-game, everyone is playing a completely different game. There are a bunch of things that you're trying to keep track on. You have a bunch of options. You leave people out. You draw more from the bag. You have extra workers that you don't know how to place. There are things that get in your way. Some things are running out. So... It really, really changes. While the technical actions, of course, are the same in most of these games that we like, you don't, oh, first I'm drawing things from the bag and then I'm playing cards, right? The game stays the same, obviously, but it feels like you are doing so much more. It opens up, you have different strategies that are very, very different. As you said, you can go for money, you can go for traveling, you can go for goods collecting, you can go for sending the people to die and have a very lean bag. But at the same time, you have to keep an eye on everything. And then there are the multipliers, but you can do so much. Yeah, I I really, really enjoy that game. 
I cannot speak highly enough of this game. It's in my top 10 for sure, games of all games that I've ever played, but I oh. I don't know if I could put it in my top 5, but for sure it's in my top 10. Oh, top 10 is still still very very solid. So, did you play with cardboard, wooden or plastic? I don't have the fancy wooden ones like you guys, so I had my medium upgrade with <laughs> the plastic discs. I don't know. I don't know if that's medium. I mean, I like the wood. I like wood in general. But in terms of fanciness, the hard plastic, smooth geek set, they're not bad. I mean, sure, the, the coins are metal and that might be cool. But I don't know if the, the wood is is the higher standard. There are other games where you pay extra to go from that's the wood true. That's true. to the plastic. So I don't know. I, I think like you can feel quite satisfied. I don't think the art is better or more in-depth than the Bora Bora, but the graphic design is so much cleaner in Orléans. It looks like a countryside, not because it's very detailed, it's not like there are a bunch of cows or anything like that, but there is a little bit more space. For example, when you put three discs next to each other for an action, they don't exactly touch. They are like a fifth of an inch apart or even a tenth of an inch. But that makes all of the difference in the world. When you look at it, sure, there is a lot going on, but it doesn't have that heavy busyness that you were talking about before. Yeah, it's, I have nothing else to say. I have only positive things to, to say for this game, minus the setup, minus the setup. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I like it too, a lot. I don't, I don't think it's in my top 10, but it's definitely a very highly rated game for, for me. I have a very hard time thinking in terms of, of top also because of different games. So I have other stuff, but I think we, I will keep them for next time. Why don't we try to move to our theme for today, which is theme and theming in-game. So what do you think of when you hear someone saying, oh, this game is very thematic? What does it mean to you? So I don't know if it is because I have been reading a lot and listening to a lot of podcasts on this topic, but I now feel that there is a difference between a very generic theme in a game, which is what we mean, well, what's the theme? And I could tell that to anyone, even people who are not into games. For example, Bora Bora, the very generic theme is you are playing in the Pacific Island. That's why the title is what it is and what the art is what it is. But I feel when we talk about a thematic game, is something that where the mechanics not only make sense in a mechanical way, but do a very good job at evoking the spirit of that theme. Something that, for example, most of the games that we mentioned today are not particularly proficient at. There is definitely a penchant of games that are not very point-oriented to be easier to describe thematically. And I do think that there are certain games that need it less. The stronger the engine, the stronger the point generation mechanism, the stronger the actions that you do in the game, the less you need the theme to be very cogent. Do you feel like a particular theme really draws you in or makes you more interested in a game or less interested in a game? So where the game is very thematic, the theme, I need to like it. And if it's well done, it will draw me in. Vice versa, I have no issues playing games with what some people despisedly call uh, pasted on theme. The Euro game that simply uses theme to make sense of certain rules. 
I'm certainly fine. So it's never a negative, but it can be a positive from time to time. I like a game that provides a narrative arc, which is something that is not the same as theme, but often thematic games tend to have a narrative arc that is solid. So yeah, I think it's a plus, all things being the same. At the same time, it's not a necessity. I agree with you. I think that theme for me really enhances the game if it's done well. I don't think that for me, theme is something that would deter me away. I don't really care for historical games, I've noticed. So what about games like Newton and Lorenzo that you mentioned before? I don't think those have anything to do with history. Oh, so you mean games that where the goal is to recreate history rather than the general right. setting is historical in nature. Okay. I think we're going to differ on this, but I did not have any interest. I know it was the hottest game. I think it was of Gen Con last year, but it was Watergate. And everyone was like, oh, Watergate. I'm so excited to play Watergate. It was this two-player game where one of you is a reporter trying to expose Nixon and the other one is trying to, you know, cover up Nixon's doings or whatever. And it just, it sounded so dry. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do like Watergate, but not particularly for the theme. I was a big fan of Twilight Struggle, therefore the, the same experience in 40 minutes was a draw to me. So you don't like games where they are trying very hard to actually follow history or where every event is supposed to be a specific historic event rather than just, oh, we are in the 16th century and here there are nobles doing things. Right. Yeah. I, I don't mind that. I feel like trying to recreate a specific moment in time or a specific event, that is my opinion. I don't really care for them. I think you're hitting a good point. I haven't had a thought about it. I mean, I I used to be really into history. I'm still, uh, my, my college degree is in history and I teach history from time to time. But now that I'm looking at my collection, history is definitely not prevalent. The closest we get to are Vikings. And as we know, Vikings in games are not historically detailed histories of pillaging and enslaving and raping, luckily, because I would not want to play that. So I think that for me as well, history is fine as a veneer that gives some flavor to a game. That takes me into what I was trying to elaborate before, the difference between the flavor and the theme. I think that I am way more... Are comfortable with flavors in general than themes. I am drawn to certain themes. Uh, for example, I like Vikings, as I mentioned. I used to like fantasy more than I like it now, but I noticed that science fiction is more limited on my on my shelves. But again, if it's a theme, but especially if it's a flavor, I will play anything. And with flavor, I mean, again, you could be doing something completely different. Like in Bora Bora, again, I go back to that because I played it today. You're expanding on islands and fishing fish and buying jewels. You could be expanding of planets and mining asteroids and collecting alien artifacts. And I could do that in 10 minutes without needing to change any rule, any rule at all. It would just be a matter of describing them with a different name and changing the art. It would be like a reskin. The one that I can think of most clearly is uh, Century Spice Road. They reskinned it to be Century Spice Golems. Yeah, which I feel that for me, it's a flavor, right? I, I understand it's the theme of the game, obviously, in everyday language, or is what people want to criticize that called a paste on theme. For me, it's a flavor. It's you are 
want to evoke that, and you do that mainly with art and by giving names to things, but this, there is no mechanism in the game that can only be supported if you think in that theme. Vice versa, there are others where you can change something else, but you need to be still very close. Like, I imagine that you could uh, risk in blood rage to some other very violent culture of uh, fighting for honor, but you couldn't change it to say, oh, now we are farmers. Uh, so, of course, there is no theme, well, with a few exceptions, I'm thinking of games that are strictly related to a specific IP, but generally, I don't think there are a lot of themes where you couldn't change anything, but you still have to follow something parallel. Like, if you take a game about Lord of the Rings, sure, you can change it to different heroes and a different enemy, but it still need to be, oh, this little group that is going to resolve this problem, you cannot change it again to, oh, now it's... Uh, IT company or something like that. <laughs> so you mean like if we uh, reskin or not reskin, rethemed Blood Rage um, with maybe like I don't know um, an Asian inspired theme, you might get a completely different Rising Sun game. Sure, but I think <laughs> I I know what you mean, but at the same time, I think you could technically take all of the minis from Rising Sun and use that board which is different so it would change and play it with drafting and things like that i'm very glad that harry lang didn't do that and provided a very different experience i think i prefer blood rage but i'm very glad that i have rising sun as well um but of course those two are still despite being different cultures the theme is still war with mythical creatures among different clans that are devoted only to war there is no idea of their culture. There is no idea of their city building. It's just there are these clans that have these specific warriors. They have certain specific powers that in Rising Sun are printed on your board and in Blood Rage come through drafting. And they recruit monsters to defeat all of their enemies, gain honor and triumph. So, of course, sure, the pretended historical situation is different, but the general theme is the same. There are other games where it's completely just thrown out there and i feel like i'm fine with either i'm not particularly happy with games that straddle the line where there are some rules that are specifically there because of theme and they get in the way of mechanism but then there are other things that are simply oh this is a good way to score points they are becoming less common but i remember some of them i i remember nobility which i don't think you had the misfortune of playing or uh, Queen's Architect, all of those things where they started with a clearly Euro mechanism of building up points and then they decided on the theme and then they went back and that did rules that needed to make sense with the theme. And so at this point, you have still not a very thematic experience and you have some rules that don't work well with the rest because they are meant to be thematic. And that I really don't like. Choose whether you're doing a game where you want, okay, this is an experience for your planning and your uh, brain burning and here, build your engine. And here are some pointers to make sense because it's easier to re remember this is wood and I use it to build a cabin rather than this is resource A and I use it to build building 3.5. Obviously, that's harder to, to conceive. So it's very good that it provides you with that. But I like the distinction. Okay, so my question to you is, what is the most thematic game you would say that you've played so i feel like the best thematic games and the most thematics that i played are very close but 
I feel that one that I still really, really like, but is not in my top 20 or so, but that I feel is captures the theme very well is Star Wars Rebellion. It's a theme that I really like, Star Wars, but there have been games with that theme that I really didn't care for. For example, Star Wars Destiny, the card game that was very popular, but I didn't like. But that takes the narrative arc of the saga and puts it in a box. And I feel like that's probably the most thematic, similarly game that I don't particularly love, vice versa, which is War of the Ring for Lords of the Ring. It has all of the characters, it has all of the theme. I feel that's also some exceptions because there are IPs that are so strong, they are so rich, that you have so much stuff to take that sometimes theming something with Lord of the Rings is like theming something with any part of medieval Europe because there is so much. Right. What What is for you? I know that uh, thematic games are usually not your favorite, right? It depends on what the theme is. <laughs> Fair enough. So the most thematic games that I played... I would say are going to be like sci-fi related because mm-hmm. I feel like those games really strive to stay true to the sci-fi world that they're creating. Mm-hmm. So the two that come to mind for me are going to be On Mars, which is of Vitale Lacerda game, which the mechanisms are thematic, the different things that you do in the game feel thematic. So that one for me would be one of them. The other one that I would say would be Anachrony. Oh yeah, I was thinking about that before. Anachrony, I haven't played on Mars yet, but Anachrony, which I played with you most of the times on your copy, which is obviously very, very fancy. um, (laughs) It is one that merges, I think, more than any other game that I've played, a very strong engine building and point generating and all of the potentially dry rules and merges it proficiently with theme where there every action makes sense but at the same time i don't feel there is any part that is superfluous and that's quite a feat yeah one of the things that you can do in anachrony which if people don't know it's about competing clans for trying to get control over the future world and the future world happens after a cataclysmic event where an asteroid comes and destroys the world basically so you're trying to get the most people and prestige to make you rise up and be the leader of the world after the meteor or asteroid hits the savior yes the savior of humanity or whatever of reality so that game has some time travel elements where you can borrow from your future self and then you have to build time machines and travel back in time and pay back what you borrowed to close the time loop or close the rift in time space to make everything logical, essentially. So that really is a very fun and I think innovative way to really instill theme that in and of itself is the most like thematic mechanism in the whole game. Yes, and I think that it tackles a complex theme to tackle, uh, time traveling. It has the distinction of being the longest Euro game that I like in playtime. It holds up. It would be, I think, a nigh-perfect 
game if it were for the last round, which I do realize that it's not nothing, right? But it's still everything else in the game I really like. I like the options of the buildings being very fast, potentially, but at the same time, not being too large in every given moment because you have up to eight things that you can build at any given time. And those can change a lot, but they're always at top uh, at most eight. And you have different actions, but not hundreds of different actions. And um, I really, really like all of that. I like, as you were saying, how you can... Uh, borrow things from the future and not creating paradoxes uh, and you have to repay them. The one thing is at the end for people who have played it, the options shrink a lot, which is fine, but then that shrink state is elongating into another round. I would like that if when they shrink, that would be it. But they shrink, 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 and then it's done while you shrink, shrink, shrink. And now we have a pl- play another round where we start with very shrunken options. But it's really, really nice. And of course, the artistic part helps the miniatures and the art and all of that but it's not just that it has a narrative feeling a thematic feeling which is very very strong i think yeah i definitely think that this game is again this is probably one of my top 10 games i'm sad that i don't get it to the table as often so i did back it on kickstarter the new expansion slash big box so i'm hoping that the trays that are coming in it will help with setup time because i know that when the original game came out, lots of people looked to things like Broken Token, who makes inserts for sort of complex setup games to try and make the contents of the box of the game more organized. And I know a lot of people look to that for a solution because you have all these different things that you can build. You have all these little workers, all these little cubes, and then you have gorgeous minis. And if you don't, you should get them. And then... <laughs> You just have lots of pieces. So that I think is another barrier for some people, just the sheer amount of things. Oh yeah, you have no colored bags solutions for that. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So trying to think of, I don't know, our favorite thematic games, trying to rank them. I have my my top three ready. Do you have a couple that you want and you have to choose? You mentioned two very good ones, but you have to choose which one is your favorite. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Okay, so I I will start by cheating. So I said I had the top three, but I want to mention my honorable mention, (laughs) which is The Adventurers. Uh, The Adventurers is a very other end of the spectrum from an acronym, meaning it's a very luck-based game. You roll a bunch of dice to see your actions and you see how many actions you have. And then those actions have sometimes random outcomes. It comes in two versions. One, which is the better game, the Pyramid of Horus. And the other one was not as good of a game, but is more thematic and I think encapsulates Raiders of the Lost Ark perfectly. Although it must be mentioned that the best game inspired by Raiders of the Lost Ark is, and this is a fact, Escape, uh, (laughs) to which I am addicted. But no, The Adventures, I think, is the Temple of Chuck or something like that, is a game that is all about the flavor. Everything that you expect to be there, everything to expect to be in that theme, crushing walls that narrow, narrow, narrow and risk crashing you, a boulder running after you, lava pit opening under your uh, your feet, trying to open uh, ancient locks, a bridge that collapses while you run on it, and uh, swimming in a river and trying to escape from danger. It's all there, but the game is really, really sometimes just let's throw everything at it and see what sticks, right? So I couldn't put it in my top three. So my real top three is, again, a very light game which is uh, Cult Express. Have you played it? 
Yes, I have. So Cold Express is a game in which you're robbing a train, you are competing robbers, where everyone is trying to be the robberest. Uh, you're trying to uh, steal the most and shoot the most. It's a programming game somehow because you program some parts, some parts you resolve on the moment where you resolve them. It's enhanced by the very tactile 3D nature of the cardboard train and your meeples move on this, not just on a board, they move up and down and inside this train. But it's not just that. Everything that you do, when you punch the, someone, they get punched in the other car, much like in old movies where you punch someone and they have this almost exaggerated reaction. And when you shoot at someone, there are characters that can shoot through the roof of the wagon because they hear other people running on top and shoot. And you want to be the best gunner and that gives you prestige and you're trying to steal uh, little pouches with money and the expansion comes with a stagecoach and there are little horses. And sure, it's a lot of physicality, but also everything you do in the game sounds so exciting and that's my number three colt express if you like cowboys and the great uh, train robbery uh that's a good place to to start it's definitely not a train game in the sense of building roads uh, railroads and getting stocks i just get shot a lot in that game so that might affect how i feel about it and you still haven't played it with my variant where if at the end of a game you're the person who was shot the most you just die it's a Knizia-inspired mechan- mechanism, <laughs> but no one ever wants to play with it. I think it's sweet because you need to be punished for being shot the most, usually by your partner. Yeah, no, it, it is usually from Scott. Scott usually just shoots me and shoots me and shoots me. And then <laughs> and then I have just a handful of shot cards and no actions. So I'm curious, being a game that, again, is very different from the depth that you usually you nathan usually personally look for in games how do you feel about cult express i like the action programming part of it i think that that's a lot of fun because it really allows for some hilarious moments where you get to punch the air and curse that someone moved out of the way or shoot at nothing or just get shot repeatedly So I think it's a lot of fun in that respect. As long as you go into it knowing that it's like a lighter game, and there's going to be moments like that where, you know, you, you're you trying to plan out the best thing for yourself and someone could do something completely different than what you think they're going to do. And, and it ruins everything that you have set up over however many actions you have that round. So I really like that. It's, a, it's always a fun experience with that game. I don't think I've ever played a game where even though, you know, I... I joked around, you know, I get shot all the time. I still really enjoy the experience of that game. Yeah, at the same time, being an experience game and a narrative arc-based game, I would never want to play it twice in a row or in very short distance because it tells a story which has limited scope because you're still rob- robbing a train and you're still, that's what you're doing. It's fun, you have a story, you have this person that is falling behind and then comes back from snatching victory from the claws of defeat by grabbing the briefcase. But if you play it again, it's not gonna give you a much different experience. So I like to play it when I like it, I like it a lot, but then it's fine if I don't play it for a little while. Yeah, I get that. So what's your first one? My first one? Well, my second is, they're both the ones that I've said already, to spoil the sure the anticipation. It was uh, On Mars, I would say, is my second, which okay. is a very, very, very heavy game. <laughs> I think I've said this before, but it 
was a almost three hour experience with setup and explanation for two people. So it was very, very heavy. Um, and that was the first game that I played this year. So started the year off, you know, something really light, very, you know, <laughs> easy breezy setup. <laughs> Do you own it yet? No. Well, technically, no. Well, I have a friend who said he might be interested in getting rid of his copy, which okay. would be a lot faster than having to wait for it to be shipped from, uh, oh, from Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah. So if you get it, I will be gladly playing it with you in two players because yeah. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like a beast. So is it despite the fact that you like the game more, is it more thematic than, say, Terraforming Mars? It's differently thematic, I feel like. Terraforming Mars is a game where you have all these different cards that you can build, and they all have different requirements on them, and I think I've already discussed this, but the th limits that are set on these cards are very thematic, because it's like, you have to have a certain amount of oxygen to make plants grow or you have to have a certain number of waters to build this energy plant or something it's all it all makes sense you look at it and you're like okay well that's cool you know they thought about it a lot of thought went into the different like requirements for this card so i really like that part of the theme but i feel like it's the cards mostly like it doesn't feel like a very integral mechanism because i feel like terraforming mars you could almost retheme to something different like i don't know uh you're just trying to make a really nice garden Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, soil levels that you're trying to get up. That could be one of the things. And you're trying to get a certain amount of sunlight to be shining in your garden. Like, I don't know. There's, you know, different little levels that you could do and then just make different cards that say that require you know specific sunlight and specific potting soil different levels of oxygen in the soil so like i feel like i did tout that terraforming mars was up there for me because of its theme but the more that i think about it it feels like it's just in the cards mm -hmm. whereas on mars like there are mechanisms that are so cool like as you are making the mars planet better the shuttle between the space station and the surface of the planet which is how you travel between the two takes longer because it's not needing to make as many trips because you're you're building up the level on mars to make it self-sufficient so they they don't need as many supplies coming back and forth as frequently so that i thought was one of the coolest thematic mechanisms in the game yeah that sounds very 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 fun too i think that makes for a very interesting gameplay i haven't played it but it sounds like it yeah so what is your next one so with the caveat which i should have done before that i chose games that are still focusing on the game part so i left out all of the time stories and the role-playing games and even games like eldritch horror where the theme is on cards that you read so i don't want things where the theme comes from what you read or what you narrate which i do like i play a lot of role-playing games I, I love time stories i like the sherlock holmes games chronicles of crime all of that but that's a theme where it's narrated so of course you have a story, so you have a theme. Painted Grail has a full book of stories. That's not... While games that don't have that, but are still very thematic. The next one is one that I I know that you don't like. I, I forced you oh, uh, no. to try twice, but I think you know what it is. Do I? Yes. I can think of lots of games that I've played with you that I don't particularly care for. But the game that is super thematic and you didn't like. Super thematic, didn't like. Can I get a hint? 
Yes, it's science fiction based. Super thematic. Didn't like science fiction based. I need another hint. Uh, everyone dies. I mean, almost everyone dies. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I figured it out. Oh, no. It's Nemesis. It is. It is. Um, which, besides liking it a lot, and I know that you don't share in that, I think that it captures the feeling of one of my favorite science fiction games, which is Aliens, particularly the last 20 minutes of Aliens, where um, Ripley is a alone in the ship you're not alone in the game obviously there are other players but everything is there the tension and the big aliens coming out and the fact that everything is going poorly and that you can self-destruct the ship and this thing of we are in here together because the aliens are the enemy and clearly those are the problem but that's where selfishness of the human nature comes out and all of a sudden the person that has helped been helping me because of their interest but we have been working together and killing aliens together but all of a sudden in the end we are homo homini lupus and i am the one surviving whether you do or not or even better if you don't come and don't risk screwing this up you can die in the fire and I will run away. And it's it's like a movie. It's like history, although it's completely fantastic. It's like the depravity of man. There is a line from Star Trek that says, humans are so nice until they are in a difficult position and then they become monsters. So something like that is a Ferengi that says, all of the humans are nice while things are nice. And I feel that it has everything in Aliens. And it's not probably my favorite game. Well, it's not even my most thematic game. But I think in the last couple of years, nothing has presented a so strong thematic coherence to me. Everything in the game is there for a reason, a thematic reason, to the point that I do understand why I don't share the perspective of someone who says, well, that game doesn't make it as a game for me. Because there are things that are that feel unfair. Like when you attack an alien and it doesn't die because it's big or nothing happens or nothing happens and i do understand that but at the same time i i like that compared to how much it happens is not such a long game in a two-player game can last less than an hour two player uh, four-player game goes around two i really really like it i thought of another one that sure. i would like to submit <laughs> so would it be number three or or does it jump over on mars no on mars is a solid two okay. so i think it would be my third one which one? Uh, my third one would would be uh, Super Motherload. Oh my! I haven't played it, <laughs> but if that's true to his theme, isn't it like space miners? Yeah, I mean, and I don't mean space minors like space teens going to <laughs> children, have fun, space children having fun in space. It's like you work in a mine. If that's very dramatic, yeah. it might be also very depressing. <laughs> um, no, I like. That game, it's a deck building game with the dig dug sort of theme of drilling into the surface of whatever planet you're on. But I like that you collect like different little minerals and, and you use them to hire better pilots for your mission that you're trying to succeed. And you find different like artifacts that have different powers. Sometimes they're one time use, sometimes they're just end game things. I, I like it. I think that it's fun. It's a, it doesn't take the theme as seriously as some as the other games that I have on my list, but it definitely has a lot of fun with the theme, which I appreciate because you have like 
little bombs that you can blow up different ways throughout the mine, or you can drill and drill a certain number of spaces. So it's a lot of fun. All jokes aside, this sounds fun. And the fact that it's a deck builder, I would like to try it, I think. Unless it looks very ugly. I haven't seen it. Oh, no. Does it? <laughs> Confess. Does it, does it look very uh, ugly? Uh, I think... I don't think it's very ugly. Very is a strong qualifier. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. That, that's not the best defense, Scott, but okay. Uh, Scott likes it, and he won't play ugly games. Fair enough, no? If Scott if Scott likes it, that's, that's good enough for me. It, it tends to have very good aesthetic sense. So do you want to take us to your number one? Well, my number one shouldn't be a surprise, but it is Anachrony. Like I said, it is the most thematic game I've played. I just love time travel, which is why I purchased Chrono Corsairs, which is another time travel Mm -hmm. sort of game. And I'm hoping that that, you know, sort of scratches the itch of time travel for me. In a more accessible way. Yes, that can get to the table more often because I feel like I haven't played Anachrony as much as I would like to because it is a beast of a game, but I really enjoy it. Anachrony, really, I really, really like it. The first time we played it, it was a little too much. We played it with four players with a teacher who knew the game very well, but his teaching style was very slow to introduce us to the game. So it was very long and the game took very long and some rules were confused. But when I played it again with you, especially with two players, I really, really like it to the point that I went out and looked for the other games by the same company and tried Tricarion, which I think did what I was mentioning before about other games. It went too much into the direction of, I want this to be very thematic. And therefore, since every magician, every stage magician has their own tricks, here is a booklet with 120 different tricks that you can assemble. And all of a sudden, I don't want to play that anymore. But Anachrony <laughs> doesn't do that. Anachrony has a lot of variability, a lot of replayability, but that is controlled. And so the theme comes out, everything is thematic, but at the same time, it remembers that it's a game which is something very important. Yes. And I would like to state and promise that I do like a lot of other themes. It seems that we are only talking about science fiction, but my last one is also <laughs> a science fiction game. I feel very strongly that this is the most thematic good game that I have ever played. I've played some games that were old theme, but not game. This was a game that I also love very dearly because it came early into my gaming experience. I started playing this even before coming to the US. It's a long and complex game, but we were at some point playing it at least once a week. I would send out when we just had um, SMS, uh, text messages, no, no smartphones, no anything else. We'd send out a message saying, we have four spots for this game, first come, first serve, and every time they would fill up very quickly. It's a six-player game. Do you know what I'm talking about? A six-player game? Is it Battlestar? It is. It is. Battlestar Galactica is not my favorite game. It has downfalls, and it has sometimes it doesn't work as intended, and for a three-hour game, that's a big problem. Sometimes the games are less than memorable, but when it clicks, it's so perfect. And even the games that don't click game-wise because someone is found out too early. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is inspired by the TV show. Humanity is on its last gasp, is running from this uh, robot fleet, but some amongst them are actually cyborgs and they are conspiring against humanity. And that's what you're playing. That's very true of both the theme of the show, 
the theme of the game and what you're doing in the game. It's a secret team-based game. So it's what the Resistance or games like that are, but with a big thematic experience on top. And every character plays differently, not just in that they have a different item, but in how you play them and what can they affect. And sure, there are certain things that are not so thematic. For example, the crisis that you face. Technically, they are taught to be very thematic. There are reason for what is what, but in the end it becomes, oh, there are three yellow and two reds, and you resolve them based on the mechanics. But the feeling of, I don't know who I can trust, is true both in gameplay terms and about the characters. You don't know what player is lying to you, and when you accuse something, people get emotional. To the point that sometimes they get too emotional. There was an occasion in which a friend of mine started almost crying, and then I had to go, okay, sure, I'm the silent. And I would like to think that she was doing it on purpose, but to this day, I think that it was just simply too much. It was very late <laughs> at night. But that is the sign of a game that really gets deep into what are the stakes. And I really, really like it. It's one of the fav- my favorite games that I don't play often because it's long and because you need players that know it, especially because being a game with a trader, it's a game that you cannot just give them an idea. They need to know the game very, very well because if someone is the trader and has to ask something, they're giving away the game. So every time I play, I have to go through a 40-minute explanation that then attaches to a uh, three-hour game. That's a little much. But I don't think I have ever played with someone who haven't liked it. Not everyone wants to come back, but I haven't had anyone who went, no, no, this is definitely not for me. Maybe there is some self-selection. Well, it's a three-hour game in which you play uh, a role that might be false and you might be lying to people. So maybe someone says, well, that's not for me. But I really, really think that that captures both the feeling of the TV show and the general feeling of the struggle for survival in space because it's on the surface, it's a co-op game against an AI, basically. And the general feeling of what's humanity, who can you trust? And that's amazing for me. Yeah, I feel like maybe we should schedule something soon to play that. I know one person who would be really into that. Yeah, of course, of course. Anna, Anna really, really likes it. Um, yes, I I think before Nemesis, that was clearly her favorite game. I feel like it could still be considered to be because we don't play it as much. So it is certainly the game that she longs the most to play. I think that the accessibility of Nemesis for her is helping. But yeah, I would gladly play with five or six players. Any other count is not convincing to me Uh, but five or six is very very solid so i think that wraps up our podcast for today yeah we have reached the end of our narrative arc and that's something that i would like to explore in the future the difference between a theme and a narrative but for now the theme of this episode was theme and we hope that we didn't stray too far from that topic Uh, so signing off as always, I'm Nathan. I'm Jackie. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.